Hi, you're listening to Your Brain Made You Do It with clinical psychologist Dr. Manit Bhatia and me, Katie. On every episode, we examine and reveal insights into the driving factors behind how we think, what we believe, and the mysterious motivation behind why we behave the way we do. Anyone who's on the internet has probably seen some, you know, TikTok or Instagram reel or something, somebody out there talking about self-compassion. It's kind of a buzz right now. But what is it, like when we look at it, what actually is self-compassion and why is it becoming a buzz and why should we care about it? Yeah, I mean, it's a buzz for everybody, but, you know, we, we've been pushing this in psychology for, for, for over a decade, at least from since I started it back in, when I was in grad school, you know, when I was, when I was being trained, it was self-compassion, self-compassion was really on the rise academically and, you know, therapeutically. Um, but to answer the question, what exactly is it? So I can give you, you know, the definition, very, very straightforward, is an acceptance of ourselves and the importance there is a full and unconditional acceptance of ourselves as an individual, right? Um, and we know why is it becoming a buzz? Well, because we know that from research that self-compassion, uh, those who have higher levels of it benefit significantly both psychologically and physically. So there's an actual health benefit, hence the buzz. Mm, okay. What does it look like in practice then? Yeah, so what is, good question, what is self-compassion? So self-compassion, it's an attitude towards yourself, right? So, for example, empathy, kindness towards yourself, concern about yourself. And also this applies to self-compassion for others, right? So you have to build the capacity for yourself and then you have it for other people. For some, it can be easier to be compassionate to others and not ourselves. We'll talk about that more. But in general, it's having, comp- it's having concern, having empathy, understanding, self-confidence, um, being able to acknowledge our faults. Um, accepting that we are, and this is so important, accepting that we are all imperfect, accepting and understanding our feelings, right? Um, non-judgment of our feelings and our thoughts, and also being aware and entitled, not in an unhealthy way, but in a healthy way to our needs and wants. Um, and the capacity um, to feel our range of emotions, without judgment and criticism. So in practice, can you give me some examples of what that looks like? Like if I'm sitting here, how do I know I'm being self-compassionate? How would someone put that into practice? Is it, you know, hey, uh, I'm cold, that, you know, giving yourself a little hug? Or is it there more to it? Is it deep? What, where does it go in your yeah, brain? I think it manifests. There's, I think self-compassion can be the, the tip of the branch on a tree if we use that metaphor. And it can spring all the way down to the roots and the foundation of like core beliefs about yourself, right? So you got to go out and you don't do your dishes. And then you're like, geez, I'm such a this and that. I didn't do my dishes. I'm slacking. Well, compassion, right? I can't be perfect. I can't do everything all the time. I have to make choices. I have to accept that I have limits. Little example like that, right? Uh, a real problem in every relationship, <laughs> dishes. Uh, but uh, but you know, but like things like that, right? So it could be something that looks very superficial, but if you're noticing that there, and then at the deeper level, um, you know, a lot of people who hold perfectionistic 
attitudes, right? Like I have to be perfect. I have to do everything. I can't make a mistake. I need to be on top of things. Or if people struggle with um, emotional connection. So I have to be strong. I can't be vulnerable. You know, I got to suck it up and tough it out. So it will manifest itself everywhere, right? It's an attitudinal disposition towards the world and your life. Um, and, and I think that that perspective is important, that it's kind of like omnipresent in our being. So it's not necessarily letting yourself off the hook for everything. So what is it like, what would it not be? Can you give me an example of like what yeah. it's not? So self-compassion, you know, is not like expecting 100% perfection, not caring for yourself. It's not like self-neglect. It's not self-attack or self-blame. It's not thinking that you that others know better uh, that others know better than you, or um, you know, being arrogant. It's not also, you know. So that's not what it, that's what self-compassion is not. But then when people say, "Okay, uh, I understand you want me to be self-compassionate," so that just means I shouldn't care anymore. Yeah, that was where right. I was that's where go you're going. Next. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I shouldn't care anymore. I should uh, just let it be. So. The example of the dishes. So if I'm saying, well, I can't do the dishes today, I have to go to the Arkell concert. Um, the, the conclusion is not then, okay, then I accept that I'll never do dishes, right? And what happens is when I'm dealing with working with patients who are very self-critical, very, um, very much lacking self-compassion, they create this dichotomy in their brain. It's all or nothing. Either I'm self-compassionate and then I don't give a crap, or I'm not self-compassion, and I care a lot. And it's like, okay, so acceptance means giving up. I hear it so often in therapy. Okay, so you want me to accept this? So I accept that I that I won't get better? I accept that I'm going to be lazy or not caring or just not have standards? And it's none, of, it's none of that, right? It's, yeah. So do you think, okay, so self-compassion for a lot of people, am I correct in assuming that it, it's not really easy to practice? It takes, it takes work. It takes a lot of work because ultimately it's it's not a necessarily an action it's it's a disposition towards yourself and it's it's an it's paying attention to our own needs and being mindful of our strengths our preferences our limitations our comfort zones so it's a total mind shift why is it why is it so hard for us to practice self-compassion why so, so since it is yeah. something that it doesn't necessarily come intuitively but it seems like that inner critic we all have is something, I mean, I'll speak from my own experience from other friends that I have. I know that it's easy to hang on and listen to that inner critic that tells you, oh, you didn't do the dishes. You're a piece of crap. You're a lazy person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But in a way, again, speaking from experience, I've struggled with letting that go because I fear if I don't have that critic in my head telling me that I'm junk if I don't do this, and I fear, oh, I'm just going to become lazy. Does, is that just um, like that's an is that something that's very common that happens in people or that's a good way to frame it because what happens invariably is these are these are tendencies and narratives that are built up in our in our in our lives over time so they're ingrained so even if you are of the mindset that I want to do this go down the road of self-compassion it takes a lot of reprogramming right because you have this narrative your entire life which you just kind of laid out very very well and very it's very common experience so part of it is saying okay i need to practice to do things differently practice in the mindset right but i think what people also don't uh people do often unfortunately is they create this sense of 
if I'm self-compassionate, then I have to, you know, change the way I live and the way I'm towards myself and other people. But somehow there's a consequence of that, right? Like I'm going to be reducing my quality and my standards and my productivity, which then means, again, you're not really getting it. Right. Right? Because, and that's a lot of time people hold on to this fear of, uh, people believe that being self-critical or self-attacking or hard on myself is my motivator. But we actually know that that does not help productivity. It doesn't help you feel better. It actually makes you feel worse. So on my, you know, on preparing for this episode and putting together some research, I came across some studies on self-compassion that highlight things that were, you know, people who regularly practice self-compassion tend to be more motivated and they're healthier, which I found kind of, I mean, not surprising, but kind of surprising because you think if you, you know, you kick your own butt enough, then that's where motivation comes from. And, you know, uh, being uncomfortable is something that, you know, if you're, you, you've been slacking on your diet. And if I'm mad at myself, well, if I'm slacking on my diet, I, intuitively, I'm going to be more likely to want to take action where the data is showing that's not necessarily true. Is that aligned with kind of your experience? Absolutely, because you think about it, if you step back, right? If you are holding on to perfectionistic and unattainable ideals and not practicing self-compassion, you're going to beat yourself up for a common mistake. You're going to punish yourself for things that are out of your control, right? Um, And then you get stuck because you're so focused on like my failure or my inadequacy, which then perpetuates self-criticism, self-attack, depression, anxiety, stress. But also if you're not self, if you lack self-compassion, you're also not tuning into and giving yourself the positive reinforcement for the things you do well. Like I did a good enough job. I did the best that I could and it's okay. So you're not reinforcing and rewarding the things that you've done well or the connections you made or the positives in your life or the meaningful things in your life because you're too occupied with it not being good enough and meeting an unattainable ideal, which you can never attain because it's an illusion, right? So we get stuck in the negative loop, right? And then self-compassion goes further. If I always got to be on, if I always got to be perfect and strong and capable and reliable and I can't take a break, I can't have limits, then I can't take days off. I got to work. I can't uh, take a sick day. I can't say no to my friend who invites me over or my family member who needs a help with something, even though I'm tired and out of it. So burnout, physical injuries, physical stress, no life work balance. Because remember, part of self-compassion is accepting my limits, which means I can't be everything to everybody all the time. And also being able to have the courage to share that without the fear of one, judging yourself and then projecting that judgment onto the other person saying, man, if I say no to Katie, she'll think less of me. Well, I already think less of myself because I said no, but she's also going to think less of me. So I better just suck it up and go, despite me being tired, burnt, burnt out, and all, all that stuff. So all of that wreaks havoc on our mental and physical well-being. Whereas if you can love yourself and say, hey, I, Katie asked to hang out this weekend. I'm just really tired. I had a rough week. She's my friend. She'll understand. I'm not a bad friend if I say no. I got limits. Hey, Katie, thanks for the invite, but uh, let's kick it next week. And life will go on. But we can't accept that in ourselves, right? What I also find is um, 
a lot of people equate self-compassion with weakness. How is self, you know, there's people out there that see self-compassion as weakness. How is it different? Why do we think that? Well, I think that ties into the fact that they lack the compassion and they've always learned to, uh, there's many examples of it or layers, but it could be also just the way they've been brought up, the way they've been programmed. They were, they were reinforced by criticism and blame. They weren't given enough unconditional regard and love. Like I think of a patient that I was treating and, um, you know, he was, he's in his like his um, 60s when I started working with him. And I used to use the word self-compassion and it would literally make them th- like have a reaction. Like don't use a C word because mm. I'm not weak, you know. And other patients would be like, oh, self-compassion, that's some Hallmark card crap. Like what does that mean? You know, so I think people equate it with being soft. And again, we just talked about it here. Like it's actually the opposite. It's actually a sign of strength and courage and to be vulnerable and to be okay with your limits and who you are. It's interesting that uh, viewpoint of it being like weakness is juxtaposed against a society that I think maybe it's changing now, but previously we have this culture that almost you wear burnout or being busy or overworked as a badge of honor. Yeah, I think that's that's bang on. I think the function of like the world we live in, like capitalistic society, the very Western thing, like, you know, we spend most of our waking days at work, you know, we're this kind of obsession to produce, to build. I also think social media has had a huge part in that. Mm, say more about that. Well, yeah. well, go on Instagram and like people are not curating themselves, not most people, are not curating themselves in their PJs. To, hey, I'm doing nothing today. It's like, I'm doing this. I had this meeting, that meeting. I went on this, that, that trip, that place, that vacation. I got this car, that car, that shirt. I went on this boat cruise, that boat cruise. Like people are curating their best selves and, and people want to show themselves in the most positive light. Now, when I'm watching that, I'm thinking, man, what am I doing in my life? Right? Mm-hmm. I think so many people Correct. relate to that. So hustle culture, right? Yes. Like yeah. that's the word, mm-hmm. like hustle culture. It used to be the burnout, Pete, like the, like the productivity. Now I'm hearing like, Hustle culture. I got to hustle. If you're not working 15 hours grinding and yeah. doing 17 projects, you're wasting away and withering away and you're useless. And that perpetuates a lot of psychological um, illnesses and conditions, but as well, like a lack of self-compassion. Like, I want to say no to uh, this project, but my friend on Instagram has like seven projects going on and they're making like X amount of money and I'm not able to do this. So I think that comparison... And the hustle culture, it just is a very, you know, um, the perfect conditions for people to be very self-critical and then reducing their ability to have compassion. Which is so interesting because we live in this culture that glorifies and, and really values productivity. But what I'm hearing you say is that self-compassion actually lends itself to being more productive and having more of an impact and, and using your energy in a more to have more positive outputs. So there's almost like this lie or this myth we all live by that if I don't have boundaries and I, you know, if I don't have needs, then I'm going to have success. If I can put all my needs aside, I, I can achieve success. But you're saying it's actually no it's the opposite yeah what i'm saying is that these things you're striving towards are not attainable and because you won't get it it's not a not a a function of you not being capable or able it's you set an illusion of a goal 
So you're setting yourself up to fail, not because you're a failure. So just one example, and I may have given this before. The example I give is I say to you, okay, um, can you go to the second floor and grab my book? And you're like, sure, I can climb the stairs. But here's the kicker. I want you to jump 13 steps at once. No, not doing that. <laughs> right. Now you're going to, if now you, now it you. It has nothing to do with my self-compassion. It has to do with me thinking you're crazy. <laughs> that, <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> exactly. And that's the idea. So, but if I say to you, take a step by, by one step at a time, it's clearly rational and reasonable. Yeah. Most of us set these goals that are 13 steps at once. You're going to fall and mm-hmm. hurt yourself. Yeah. Not because you're not capable. It's because it's not possible. Yeah. Or rational or advisable so the same logic applies to like how we treat our goals and and our and our our actions in life so setting you know goals and and behaviors that are attainable and that ties back into how we feel about ourselves in this feedback loop right so i think that's really important is to say okay like what am i striving towards how realistic is it but also to your point about being more productive if you feel pressure to be in the hustle culture pressure to produce pressure to do more you might try to engage in these things independent of how realistic they are. You may try to engage them based on other people's expectations. And then you're living an inauthentic and in and not a genuine experience, which will create resentment or lack of fulfillment because you're not doing you, right? And that's the difference too. Like it's really being comfortable in your own skin. So how do you personally practice self-compassion so we've been talking about like okay well how do i do this yeah i think part of it for me is i i always think about trying to just to be mindful of how i'm feeling today right what are my where am i at what are my what's my bandwidth today what are my limits um accepting that i can't be everything to everybody and it's quite liberating you know, when you let go of this idea that I have to be everything to everybody, it's super liberating. And what you realize is most people are not holding you to that. And if they are, I'm sorry, but you got to find better friends, right? <laughs> um, or just, you know, not have friends. Uh, but which also happens, jokes aside, once you become a different version of yourself, there is a real consequence of that sidebar, which is relationships change with people, right? So that's an invariable cost, uh, using air quotations as a cost of like changing and becoming more self-compassionate. Some relationships you had previously may have to change their um, terms because some people might have liked you more when you're the caretaker and like the yes person. And now you're saying no, like who is this guy, right? But so practicing it personally, being honest about my my limitations, accepting that sometimes I'm going to be at the mercy also of my anxious thoughts, my high expectations, my pressures. I'll have moments of failure, lots of moments of failure, lots of moments of vulnerabilities, but ultimately I'm just human. And trying to lean into it with genuine curiosity and to be able to say, what are my values and what am I trying to aspire towards today? And are these actions, these thoughts, these feelings, this, these tendencies leading me towards things that are genuinely uh, in my pursuit or are they based on other people's expectations or demands? And you're not going to always line up on what you want for yourself. But even if you're aware that I'm doing this for somebody else, but I accept that I have to do that today, that also makes you feel more compassionate, right? Like right. simple example, um, sometimes at work, there's stuff you just don't want to do. But if you say to yourself, I accept that I'm annoyed by this. I accept that I'm tired as heck and I don't want to deal with this crap. But I also accept that I have to do this as a means to an end. That actually changes your perspective. 
it's still going to bother you. But what happens is you're, you're, you're owning that feeling about it. Versus the self-critical person goes, well, I shouldn't feel this way. I should be able to tough it out or, or, or screw this job. I got to find another job because I can't do a job that makes me upset. Well, every job makes you upset at some point. Right? It's so, true. Right? Do you, would you say that it removes the conflict from the situation yeah. in a lot of times? Or like if you're sitting, Yeah, if you're sitting there and you're like, I hate Excel, which is, this is legit, real, real thing. I hate anything to do with spreadsheets. Um, but it's super critical to my work. But, you know, if I'm not fighting with the spreadsheet and you're like, ah, I got to do it. It's almost like acceptance. In Correct. A way. That's exactly yeah. having compassion that moment that this is a trigger or bothers mm-hmm. you. But acceptance is saying I, I give myself permission to have the feeling and also accept that I don't really have control over this yeah. because part of what I do in my function requires this particular piece. So that's important because self-compassion is not like when you're in that state of mind that everything is zen and positive and yay, it's not even that. It's like just being, which is a big misnomer. Self-compassion does not equal happiness. Self-compassion is connection, awareness, acceptance of yourself and all your parts. And we all got wacky parts and good parts and you know other parts and this part and that part. And it's like learning to be able to understand and, and, and connect to them. So I think it ultimately... You know, back to the beginning, it's a it's a disposition and an attitudinal change, right? Versus a specific action I take in a specific moment. It's a more of a holistic approach. I think that's great advice. And one thing I just wanted to add before we wrap up is with, you know, you mentioned social media. And I think of how we've all kind of, those of us like in the millennial generation and the one, you know, Gen Z, maybe a little bit of the boomers. And so I got to throw it to Gen X too. All the generations. Now, um, what I'm the point I'm trying to make is, we grow, we've we've grown up, or we've come up in a world where there's this image of the ideal physique, the ideal individual, the ideal fashion. You should look a certain way, be a certain way. So practicing self compassion in a lot of ways is just looking at that and saying, I accept that's somebody else's idea of beauty or somebody else's idea of what I should be or what people should be, but it doesn't necessarily need to be what mine is. Yeah. And on, on, and even at a deeper level or more of, sorry, at a more of a foundational level is I have unconditional acceptance and regard for myself. So whether or not I can be that, whether or not I want to be that way, whether or not I am that way, it's has no bearing on how I, I see myself and how much I accept and love myself. So in terms of a, a practical way to app, to apply it, if, if you're the type of person that really struggles with acceptance is maybe just a question, the things around you that are making you feel negative. Like, why am I feeling this way? Correct. What is it about this situation that uh, is triggering me? Or, you know, whose idea of success is this? Is this my idea of success? Or is this an external pressure? Yeah, and exactly. And the way I always outline it in, in, in working with people is like there's two kind of pathways just to make it simple mm-hmm. I call one the anxiety area which is like others accept other people's perspectives expectations culture society and there's and there's my authentic and genuine self mm-hmm. and sometimes they line up but like whose needs and whose purpose am I serving if I'm going down this path today or choosing to do this thing or want that thing and that awareness can help you understand more about where you're at, where you got to go and what your, you said earlier, your triggers are or what your battles are or, or whatever else that comes from that. But that's an important piece of it is not to be on autopilot. 
always comes back to presence, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Presence and awareness, sort of like the key to hacking the human brain. That's right. Yeah, hack your brain. Uh, so if you're going to take away anything from today's episode is that self-compassion is not weakness. In fact, it can make you more productive, healthier, ha- happier, uh, and making more sound decisions, I'm assuming. Yeah, I added that. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Let's just go with it. Accept, yeah. your, accept your opinion on that. You matter. know what? I'm accepting and compassionate that I've, uh, I've made an idea and put it out there. There you go. Yeah. And we'll leave it to listeners to accept it or not. And yes. we won't judge them. It's okay. Unconditional. Yeah, you can decide. <laughs> exactly. You do you. It's true. That's my professional opinion. Love it. I'm going to take that advice. Uh, so thanks so much for listening and if you like today's episode you can follow us on Instagram or send us an email and check out the show notes for any other tidbits that we might share that are relevant 